Hello, uh, Marty. How are you doing today? Um, thanks for coming on the This Day in Metal podcast today. Ah, thank you. It's nice to be here. Thank you. So recently you uh, finished a tour with Queensbury. How did that go? That was fantastic. It was uh, the first time in America touring since the pandemic. So we got the benefit of people enjoying live concerts for the first time again. And also to see the reaction of my Japanese band to being in America, which was just fascinating to see America through their eyes and uh, to kind of uh, not necessarily guide them through it, but just to see what they were interested in and how the audience reactions were so different from Japan and and how just uh, wide open spaces. And it was just very, uh, for them, it was just something very, very new. For me, it was like going home. So it was just a big party for everybody. And uh, the Queensryche guys were fantastic. And uh, we all got along great. And the audience, a lot of those people in the audience were people who might not necessarily have come to see, would come to see my shows had it been just me playing. So we really got to play for a lot of new people. And I think we got a whole lot of new fans and, and I really enjoyed the entire experience very much and uh, definitely set us up for our next trip to America. That's awesome. I'm glad that, that went well for you. Yeah. Um, you recently completed an album called Tokyo Jukebox 3. Uh, is there any particular song on the album that you enjoy playing live? or Playing live? Yeah, or just in general, do which any song that sticks well, out the, the, the one that we've got... Uh, pretty much the most uh, attention overseas for is a song called Kaze ga Fuiteru. And uh, that one has a music video. It's the most recent music video off the album. And that one was the song that when we played in America on tour, of course, a lot of people didn't know the Japanese titles right. to the Japanese songs that I do. And it was the last song that we played in the set. So, so many times people would ask me and ask my band, what was that last song that you guys played? What was the last song that you played? Even though I announced it from the stage, you know, people are not going to understand. They're not, they're not going to remember the foreign title. So I had to kind of drill it in and keep saying, look, this song is called Kaze ga Fuiteru. Check it out on YouTube. And so that was the one that kind of got the most attention from the new record and uh it was kind of fun like kind of not translating but introducing people to this stuff that normally people don't go out of their way to like hear a song that's got a foreign title you know i sure didn't when i was a kid you know it would have just gone right over my head so it was just really kind of fun to watch people you're getting an open mind about this kind of stuff and discovering new music the way I did before I came to Japan. So it's kind of a nice cycle there. Yeah, that'd be like me opening up to some new music and, and, and different interests and not all the same thing, American type of music. And it'd be really sure. intriguing to go to definitely go watch a show you perform in there. Um, you are famous in Japan. The Japanese uh, government has made you an official ambassador of Japanese heritage. Did you ever think um, when you first moved to Japan that you would become a famous star over there and get recognition recognition for it? Absolutely not. <laughs> um, when I came to Japan, I really only had one goal. I just wanted to play in the Japanese domestic music scene. 
I was really into the Japanese heavy groups and the visual K groups and really into that type of music. And I just wanted to get into that world. And even though I was kind of known in the international music scene in Japan, that's right. just a small fraction of what's happening over here. So it really didn't help me very much. I was kind of starting from scratch. And then I started little by little getting into the domestic music scene. And then uh, just things started to like take its own course and, and go into places where I would never, never expect. And um, I just got a lot of high visibility gigs, so to speak, uh, in, in a lot of different media. And um, somehow, you know, the government recognized me for it. And I just it just blew me away because there's a lot of great Japanese musicians that would have done an awesome job with uh, creating a, a Japanese heritage theme song. Um, and I think that's the reason why the government chose me is to actually write that song. Um, they had me write a song with the Tokyo Philharmonic Orchestra playing uh, to play it for me. And um, I think that was their goal. You know, I don't really know what it was in me that they saw to have me become, you know, an ambassador for them. But uh, I was just honored and a lot of responsibility to, you know, create that song. But uh, I think it was just because they wanted me to write that song and that song is being used for all kinds of political events and banquets and and there was a big campaign at the airport for the last three months and you can still see it there now i think um so i just just beyond honored i would have never expected any of this stuff i'm just like a rock and roll dude from the east coast right. um, you'd never expected it but uh, it's all been very very lucky that's amazing congrats for that that's um thanks really so recently you were involved in a music project called Lost Symphony. Uh, do you remember doing part of that? Oh, wow. Um, you did your homework. Yeah, I, I'm not uh, uh, I'm not really too familiar with the details of that other than they had me play on a couple songs, which I really enjoyed very much. Um, and uh, it kind of reminded me of uh, what I was doing in a band called Cacophony a long time ago. And um, it was kind of like a more modern version of that type of thing. And right. and they so kindly asked me to uh, play on a few songs. And uh, I, I enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah. My friend, Kelly uh, Karolik, he, uh, he's involved in that, too. And he had a question to ask you. He wanted to know, even in your early years, you phrasing and nuance was clearly been influenced from Eastern music and culture. Did you spend significant time actively emulating a particular instrument or vocal phrasing from that part of the world? That's a good question. And uh, the answer is yes to both. Um, he's got a pretty good ear if he can tell that uh, I'm learning from vocal phrasing, which is something I did very, very much. As a matter of fact, just yesterday, I played a show of uh, traditional Japanese music where I just played the vocal lines on guitar Nice. And uh, that's something that I got into a long time ago with Japanese traditional singing. The vocals were very, uh, for whatever reason, they appealed to me. And I thought if I just had that on my guitar, I could really express myself better than just learning a bunch of Van Halen licks, you know, and, and doing that. Um, so I started to go the vocal route of 
Japanese and Chinese music as well. And I also spent a lot of time learning from a Chinese instrument called an erhu, which is a, it's a stringed kind of a bowed instrument, kind of sounds like a violin, but a little bit more of a somber, sad kind of tonality. And I just learned a lot of those phrases and that kind of put me in my own direction. But this was all like when I was in my late teens doing that stuff and it still has an imprint on my playing now. Uh, another friend wanted to know, were you ever offered an opportunity to um, to with another Sabbath band at all? Sabbath? Uh, oh, no, were you ever given the, uh, did you ever get the opportunity to be with another established band? Like besides Megadeth, were you any other band? I would, I, I, would, I would consider anything, really. I've done so many varied projects here since I've been here, playing... Uh, in bands and with uh very major artists and and um you know playing guitar for stadium acts and things like that and i love doing that and uh, i really consider anything that comes my way if it's it seems like something that i can contribute to i would certainly consider it um i've pretty much said yes to anything that i'm interested in since i've been here and that's kept me really doing a lot of stuff that I love doing. So uh, I'm open to all kinds of things. Well, that's good. So is it true you were influenced by Kiss as a kid? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, who isn't really in, in, in the world of heavy metal? I think either directly or indirectly, everybody, you know, wants to blow shit up and, and fire and blood and bombs and loud guitars, you know. So whether or not... The Kiss material really influenced a certain person. There's definitely something about their show, or their music, or their personalities, or their masks, or whatever it is, their image. There's something about Kiss that landed in every heavy metal-oriented musician, I think, and uh, it's definitely not something that I've hidden at all. I mean, my most recent signature guitar is pretty much a blatant copy of Paul Stanley's mirror, broken mirror guitar, but with a couple of very important modern upgrades, which I think is really par for the course, really, because like heavy metal music is kind of just modern upgrades of Kiss, really. Right. You know, you, you look at uh, this loud, before Kiss, there wasn't that kind of high energy, loud, exciting music in the big concert world. And so I think it, really was revolutionary it certainly got me on the path to playing heavy music so did you ever get the opportunity to uh, meet the band at all yeah many times uh, and very luckily in lucky situations the first time i met gene and paul was um uh, i was in megadeth and we won some kind of award for something and the presenters were gene and paul so gene and paul presented me with some kind of award and I'm like this is the coolest way to meet wow. my heroes ever wow. so I was excited about that and then I worked with Gene a couple times um we did a radio program together which was surreal as a fan and then he came to Japan to be in a movie called Detroit Rocks Detroit Metal Metal City and I had a very small cameo part in that I was playing in Gene's band in that movie so uh 
for the days of shooting. I was the only guy who spoke English around there. So Gene like had me cornered speaking English. (laughs) Uh, But as a fan, it was just like my mind was blown and it was so cool. And we played some songs together in in this one scene in the movie. And uh, as a Kiss fan, it's like it couldn't have been better. That's amazing. That'd be awesome to to work with Gene like that. So there's a documentary coming out. I think it's possibly this year. It's about the life of Nick Menza. Uh, were you asked to be involved in that at all? or I don't really know much about that whole thing. I might have been uh, I, I might have been approached about it several years ago, maybe. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I don't really know any details about that. Okay. Um, what was it like reconnecting with Dave Mustang? Um, did you you did a couple shows this year with them, correct? Oh right, yeah, yeah. We played at Budokan and and then uh, and then at uh, Wacken Open Air. I don't know how to pronounce that. Wacken, Wacken, Wacken. Wacken, um, maybe. Yeah, um, it was wonderful. Uh, you know, we have a wonderful history together. So uh, when something special like that came up, it was kind of a definite. Uh, thing that I wanted to do and we both enjoyed it immensely and uh, I just hope the fans enjoyed it as much as we did it for us it was just a really nice nice thing to do to kind of just put an exclamation point on the thing that we did uh, you know in, in the, the history of the band and of course I'm the biggest fan of uh, whatever they do in my absence and just rooting them on the whole way that's awesome. Glad you're still, uh, you know, getting along with him and everything. That's that's good. And do you have a favorite Megadeth song to, to play when you're playing with them, or nothing sticks out? Nah, nah. Even when I was in the band, I was like, it's all good. It's like one big long song that kicks ass. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then that's kind of how I feel about my own music as well. I mean, it's really hard to choose one. You look at it as a set list of maybe. 15 songs or whatever 20 songs when we play a long show it's just like one big long one big long entity within itself you know because right. i think uh ooh, whether it be megadeth or my own solo work or any project that i'm involved in you put the exact same amount of energy and and uh, emotional deposits into this song as any other song so you kind of are are equally attached to everyone but fans have a different outlook fans have their life experiences that go with listening to that song so uh you know they will like things for completely different reasons um and that's the joy of being a fan because you've got your own separate original unique memories that go with each particular song and the I think the difference from my perspective is made, making the song is um, we spend a lot more time in the creation of the song than the listening. Right. So um, it's really hard to just pick one out. So around this uh, time, you had first audition with Megadeth. Did you um, also audition for Madonna? I, I read somewhere along um, about... Oh, I had an audition for Madonna the same week as I auditioned for Megadeth. It was actually 
Megadeth was on like a Tuesday and Madonna was on a Friday or something like that. There was a couple of days in between. And um, luckily I got Megadeth, so I didn't have to go to Madonna. Um, <laughs> I would have loved to play with Madonna and I, I was a big fan of her music. But I think as for my own personal taste, uh, I really much, much rather would have been in Megadeth. So I, I kind of lucked out on that. And plus, Madonna was like an open call kind of audition. They had tons of guys going in there and there was probably guys way more suited for a gig like that than I was. Um, you know, there's there's guys who do pop gigs on the regular and um, would have all that stuff much better than I would. And, uh, you know, but eventually, you know, it's great because they, Madonna got this guy named Monty Pittman who's a full on metal guy Nice. Yeah, yeah, he's fantastic. So when I heard he was in the band, I was like, oh, maybe I would have had a shot at it. <laughs> but um, he did great, great work with her and outside of that. So uh, that's really cool. But you'd be surprised, you know, in the pop world. Um, I've done so much pop stuff here in Japan, but every single time I've done work with a, a major pop artist like a Madonna here, they want me to do whatever it is I want to do. They want me to make it as metal as possible. Well, that's that's why mean. that's why they have me in there. You know what I mean? So um, they don't they don't you know, they could, there's a million session cats who can play like pop music. But I think when they bring me on the project, it's usually because they they want it to be injected with this metal thing. Right. And uh, so that's cool. But when I was thinking of auditioning for Madonna, it's like, oh, my God, I'm going to really have to tone this, tone this down. I'm going to have to cut my hair. And, you know, so, but uh, the hair, I work, the hair. Uh, you, know, you know what? I, I might have done it for the gig because at the time I was really borderline homeless. I was living really like hand to mouth and, uh, you know, living on couch surfing type of things. And right. I, you know, she if if I got the Madonna thing and they said, look, you can have the gig, but you need to cut your hair. I probably would probably would have done it um, just because, you know, times are tough when you can't eat. And I really did not like teaching guitar. Um, I always loved teaching people who I thought had the potential to make a living out of music. But as a lot of you guitar teachers know out there, um, most of the time it's just people who just want to learn the latest. At that time, everybody wanted to learn how to play like Eddie Van Halen. So uh, mm -hmm. it's really, there's a million guys who can teach you how to play another thing. That wasn't my forte. So um, I really would have done anything to stop teaching just to you know put food on the table. And even then, I wasn't putting food on the table with teaching. It was really a bleak, bleak period of time. Um, but the, yeah, probably would have cut the hair. Sad to say. Or you could have went back to Hawaii and played in that band. Yeah, then I would, <laughs> then I would have been eating even less. Exactly. <laughs> um, are there any bands in Japan that you are digging right now that we, um, us here in America, should be checking them out? Like, we don't really get to hear much from the from over there. So is there any bands that, like, maybe heavy metal bands that stick out? Like yeah, that? I mean, um, a lot of the stuff I listen to is not what you'd consider 
heavy metal, but there's a lot of heavy metal elements in it. Um, but there's a lot of stuff in Japan that certainly fits within the confines of very, very cool metal. And I would recommend Maximum the Hormone. You probably know them. Maximum the Hormone, Cross Faith. And for those of you a little bit more adventurous, I would say Passcode. And Passcode okay. is in America right now. Um, you know, it's it's not like baby metal, but it's girls and the music is very, very cool and heavy and adventurous. So um, if you like baby metal, you will definitely love Passcode. But even if you, you're not a fan of baby metal, it's different enough that uh, it might just fit into your wheelhouse. Um, but like I said, metal fits into so many different genres here in Japan that, um, you know, just as long, even if something is not pure metal, I think metal fans, especially now in America, are a lot more open-minded and uh, can come into something that's not 24-7 metal riffs all the time. Um, you know, it is 2023, mm -hmm. and... Um, metal takes on a lot more of a uh, esoteric uh, existence within music now and it doesn't have to be like you know i don't know dio or something like that mm -hmm. where it starts off metal ends up metal it's metal in the middle that's right. all great but i think the wonderful thing about metal is it never dies you know it finds its way into places that wasn't metal two years ago mm -hmm. and that's really the case in Japan. So, but start off maybe with those bands that I mentioned. And then if you find other things um, that are a little bit less overall metal, but have elements of metal, you'll be surprised. Cross so, Faith is great. I would definitely recommend Cross Faith. Okay. Is uh, Loudness uh, still popular in Japan or are they, um, how are they doing over there? Loud Loudness? loudness? Um, yeah, I think they uh, are pretty. Uh, I haven't heard what they've been doing lately, but um, they have a, a loyal base of fans for sure. And uh, they're one of the pioneers, you know, uh, pioneers of uh, heavy metal. And they're like a name that comes up in America still, like you just brought it up. Right. Um, so I think they are one of the few bands uh, in the earlier days of metal that actually uh, cultivated countries outside of Japan which it was super rare back then so the, yeah so they definitely left an impact so uh, is would there be a uh, do you have a big four of heavy metal over there or or not really? a big what a big four like the metallica megadeth um slayer type of big four over there i've never heard um some some fan wanted to know if, if there was like a big four over there or not really yeah, I think I I don't, I don't know um the term uh, when used for uh, the big four that you just mentioned they have a Japanese term for that mm -hmm. that's a shitengo which is uh, the four four kings kind of thing right the four the, the four top um, but they don't have like a separate all, maybe there is I've just never heard never the heard of it being used for a Japanese uh, groups. Okay, and a fan wanted to know what your thoughts was of Jimi Hendrix. Um, uh, I mean, this 
this is a trick question, isn't it? And I'm going to be careful how I answered this because I answered it once and I never heard the end of it. So I'm going to have to come up with a good maybe answer. That's why, maybe that's why you brought it up. I know, I know. I'm being trolled for sure. Um, I, I respect his contribution to the world of guitar very much. Okay, that's fair enough. <laughs> this is true. This is true. So uh, yeah, that's pretty much what I summed up. Is uh, do you have a is your website? Uh, can you tell me what your website is so the fans can go and? Yeah, my website is uh, martyfreeman.com, um, and uh, my social media is where you'll get uh, the most new information, and the actually newest information, which just came out yesterday is a very very cool campaign for jackson jackson guitars that uh i'm thrilled to be a part of so if you go to my social media uh all of the social medias have it the twitter the instagram facebook all that or the jackson youtube channel you'll see this video where it's got myself and uh misha from periphery and dave from dave, dave from revocation Okay. and a couple other super super guitar players doing this amazing song that misha wrote for all of us to contribute to and it's just the most uh, extravagant guitar promotion i've ever seen you know maybe i'm wrong but i've never seen anything go to this extent before and i'm thrilled to be a part of it and jackson just like hit a grand slam with this instrument they hit a grand slam with the way they're showing it to people and um i'm blown away so that's the the most recent thing and uh you know working on touring for touring again in america hopefully sometime early next year and um i have a, biogra a biographic a biography thinking in japanese autobiography in, in the in the works coming out late next year and um new music working on a new record but for right now check out the jackson thing and um as always uh everyone's support means the world to me and uh i hope to play uh, in america and canada really soon yeah we really love your music and really um thank you for coming on the podcast today and we appreciate thank you very it. much thank you very much it's been a pleasure Take care. Yeah, and when this comes up um when is this going to be uh is this live uh no it'll be probably uh Put up tonight on my podcast channel and i'll definitely send the link over to you so very good thank you very much thank you very much it's an honor all right Marv. have a great day peace out Take man care.